From the Financial Times in London, I'm Patrick Jenkins, the FT's financial editor, and this is FT News. Cyber risk is the buzzword of the day, following another cyber attack on a Vietnamese bank, following similar attacks elsewhere in Asia over the past few weeks. Authorities everywhere are really cracking down on this. Cyrus Vance, the New York District Attorney, is in London this week to talk about a transatlantic cooperation deal to tackle cyber risk. I'm joined by Martin Arnold, our banking editor, and Caroline Binham, our financial regulation correspondent, to talk about this. The extent to which the world is worried about this, Caroline, is reflected in cyber being considered a potential systemic risk, isn't it? Yeah, so I think we'll be hearing a bit more on the substance of this in the coming days, but there's something called the Global Cyber Alliance, which is an initiative set up by the New York District Attorney Cyrus Vance and the City of London Police. And it's a bit of a talking shop, but part of the problem with mitigating cyber attacks is that best practice is rarely shared. There's no one common global talking shop that can get everyone around the table. So this is a a good first step. They've already put out what they consider the four most pressing threats within the cybersecurity landscape, and that's phishing, which I think we're all probably quite aware about, weak authentication mechanisms, vulnerable websites, and then denial of service attacks. Again, something I think we've probably all read about. So there's going to be a bit more detail, I think, coming out about what exactly they're going to do going forward. But I would put that in the context of policymakers at central banks becoming ever aware about the cyber threat. The Bank of England, for instance, it's worried about attacks on the bank itself. So they do things like ethical hacking of its own systems. The staff there have all been made aware of increasingly sophisticated phishing attacks through the use of social media, for instance. So you get a bespoke email sent to you that looks legitimate and in fact contains malware. And cyber forms part of a bank's operational risk. And what the Bank of England's Prudential Regulation Authority has said is that if they think that banks don't have tight enough cybersecurity defences, then they can add extra capital to mitigate against that risk. Okay. Well, it's clearly a a fast-developing area of risk and maybe reassuring to know that the authorities are at least partway on top of things. Cyber risk seems to be a theme that's in the wind at the moment. Martin, you had a story about City UK, the City of London lobby group, wising up to the risks in this area. Tell us what City UK's conclusions were. Their conclusion is that the financial services sector in the UK is not taking this risk seriously enough and then more needs to be done. And they're proposing setting up some kind of forum to encourage at board level financial services firms, big and small, to share more information, to cooperate and to invest more in this area because there's a shortage of talent. So they need to use apprentice schemes, they need to use work placements, they need to invest in the technology, they need to build up expertise and they need to make sure that they're covered. Interestingly, I spent the morning at this City UK conference that was co-sponsored by Marsh, the insurance brokers, and the CEO of Marsh Limited, the UK arm of the global insurance broker, said that uh, 50% of financial services CEOs that they surveyed thought they had cyber insurance. And only 10% of them, when Marsh checked the actual insurance policies, actually did. So that's pretty striking. I think sort of shows the kind of level 
of preparedness. So if there was a massive cyber attack that brought down part of the UK financial services sector, which is not beyond the realms of possibility, let's face it, then there would be a massive fight between those affected and their insurance companies probably end up in court with hundreds of millions of pounds possibly at stake because there's such confusion as to who's covered, what's covered. And just to sort of mention the latest kind of attacks that have surfaced into the public arena, it's to do with the SWIFT payments network and banks in Asia being hacked into and having money transferred. We saw this happen to the Bangladesh Central Bank. Money was transferred via the SWIFT system out of banking system to Philippine casinos. They tried to get a billion dollars, only got 81 million, we think. But they found another case of the same technique being used at a bank in Vietnam. And I think there've been several other cases as well of a similar types of attacks. So the hackers out there are using the same methods and going after different banks. It's really important for banks to be joined up and talking to each other in order to prevent that kind of thing happening. As you say, that's interesting that that's a key recommendation from this new report, but also suggests, I suppose, that that's not happening to date because of, I guess, concerns about competitiveness and USPs and so on. Well, there's three big reasons. The biggest one, I think, is reputational risk. These institutions, not just banks, but all financial institutions are terrified that if they put their hand up and say, even in closed door communities, that they've had a cyber attack and they've lost data or they've lost money, then it will leak out somehow and customers will hear about it. There'll be a panic and they'll lose lots of customers and maybe even be sued. And reputational risk is massive here. The two other reasons. One is customer privacy. So the data itself, there's concern that actually sharing details of data being stolen or taken or what kind of data and whose data it was might breach customer privacy rules. And finally, there's competition concerns that if banks get together and share loads and loads of information, it might be seen as anti-competitive because it could be considered a kind of cartel of data sharing. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy the FT's Banking Weekly. You can find this every Tuesday at ft.com slash podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.